Aloha, Warriors. Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, the aspiring servant warrior. I have uh, here a man whose voice, if, if you are uh, visually impaired or just like a different viewing experience when it comes to your uh, visual entertainment, uh, you'll probably have heard this guy's voice, but going, I don't know. Or if you're a big fan of Star Trek, you might know this guy. Uh, Roy Samuelson, how are you? Hey, doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Joshua. This yeah, is absolutely, man. So, I, you know, we, we try to try to just come in and, and uh, you know, have a unique conversation. And I don't I know you've done a lot of um, podcast interviews and, and things like that over the last little chunk of change um, year, whatever. I don't know, I'm mixing my metaphors much <laughs> about audio description and stuff like that. I, I actually kind of would like to know a little bit more about you directly, if you don't mind, kind of giving us a, a background of, of who you are, what you do. Yeah, Those sure. who so, may not know. Uh, audio description is relatively new to my career. I've probably been doing it for a little less than 10 years, but I come from a, a voiceover background. And before that, one of my favorite stories is when I worked at uh, Disney World, the great movie ride, uh, may it rest in peace. It's no longer around, but it was this attraction that took guests through different scenes of movies. And I was a, a host and I'd point out things and I was on mic and I'd say, this happened here and look over here and... Uh, it was, it was almost like live audio description in a sense. There was a lot of timing issues and it was, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was kind of the start of the, uh, the work in, in voiceover. I, I did a few acting jobs, but voiceover is really where my passion is. Yeah. No, he, he's got an IMDb pro, uh, profile page and everything, so you can, can see that he's legitimate. Although so much of your credits, I was actually, when I was doing kind of some pre-work uh, for the show, and I think for the, uh, we can say as much that we have a WonderCon panel together. We can't actually say when it's going to be, but WonderCon at home, Roy and I are on a panel together. When I was putting that stuff together, I was looking at your your credits. I was like, well, he's he's done all this audio description work, and it's totally not on there, even in the audio description section. Um, so there's more that that Roy's done than his IMDb page would indicate. It's kind of neat to see how the audio description within IMDb is even changing. Since uh, since you've checked, there's probably been some other titles that have been added, which is kind of fascinating. I remember a few years ago where I was told by um, the company that they didn't recognize credits that were outside of the visual credits. And I yeah, like to know that I I've started the to see. Credits, right? um, <laughs> well, and I and I also started to see even. When I first started checking out IMDb, it was just movies and TV. Mm. And then somewhere along the way, I started seeing uh, video game credits. And, it, you know, where, like, I think um, I was looking at Ian McDermott's page, you know, who who famously pays, plays Palpatine in the Star Wars movies. Mm. And he had done a voice for, a, like, a Star Wars video game. And that was in his list of credits. And I... With the time that I looked, I was like, "Oh wow, they're they're expanding out what they are are allowing people to give credit for." And I, I thought that was really neat because a lot of people are locked into a very specific way of consuming their story or content, and it's it's encouraging for me to kind of see IMDb kind of recognize that the lines of you know storytelling are kind of blurred. What a great point that they recognize. I love that word, recognize. They recognize the value of interactive gaming and it's like this is a part of the discussion that people want to have and they're going so why not provide it it's kind of cool yeah yeah um 
So, and, and you, uh, you know, again, <laughs> so, so just since we mentioned audio description, uh, how, uh, how well practiced do you think you are at that, that, uh, uh, conveyance of what audio description is? Oh yeah, sure. It's, it's pretty simple. So in the world of audio description, also called video description or descriptive video or descriptive narration, a describer who might be the writer or a narrator, or maybe, maybe it's both the writer and the narrator, or maybe it's the company, but not the production company, nor the distributor, but a special other company gives their creation of a split track or a mixed track of a narrator if the film or TV show even has it, which is dependent on the distribution channel like streaming, theatrical broadcast, physical like Blu-ray or DVD or downloadable to your iTunes or Google Play or even YouTube with any of these, each of which offers varying levels of access to the audio description, either on an app or a TV or a cable box or a Chrome browser with a special plugin or on YouTube. Maybe it's a separate YouTube video with audio description, but maybe the audio description's separately downloadable that syncs up that you can listen to a narrator or a synth voice so it sounds like a conversational robot or maybe it's a narrator that sounds like a synth voice but you don't know if it's the audio description is there until you hear it which could be a few minutes into the show so you wait and wait and hope and then you don't hear it so you have to decide to either stop and complain or just put up with it but if you do decide to complain who do you complain to is it the local broadcast affiliate or the movie theater manager who's dealing with karen's complaint about the unpopped popcorn kernel or do you contact one of the 47 streaming services by email, message, fax, or Facebook, tweet, by phone. But to find that phone, you have to hunt down a number. And once you find that number, go through a press one, press three. Sorry, your call cannot be completed. It's dialed or try a different number. And is that the main line? Another press four, press zero. Oh, good. You're a real person. And it goes something like this. You say, um, yeah, my speakers are working. No, audio description isn't closed captioning. Sure, I'll hold. Or better to go through an accessibility web link buried so deep it doesn't feel like they want to talk to you. And when the audio description is there and it's bad, what does that even mean? Is the writing indicating things that the visuals don't have? Does the narrator of a suspenseful movie talk to you like a baby toddler? Does a kid's show have an uninterested adult narrating, which sounds as tasteless as cereal too long in the milk? Or is it just that aforementioned synth voice like my friend Melody calls a puppet? Or even kind of creepy like a horror monster made to describe the lighthearted comedy romance film to you? And who chose that voice and why? Does that voice even get in the way of the experience and do you have to keep fiddling with the volume up and down and down and down and down and up to try to hear it depending on what's going on in the background or maybe the production audio ducks out of the way so you can hear the narrator but all the other audio disappears and it's jarring and it takes you out of the story and does this work that is created for blind people actually include blind people in the process mm, maybe does that answer your question yeah, I think uh, that was very succinctly put and not Just confusing at all. Up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> all, all snark aside, uh, audio description does uh, make my my life better. And certainly for the last year, we've all, you know, even those of us who have taken more risks than some, you, you know, we need a little bit of uh, a break. And being able to access the fullness of, of the creative process is, is really cool because, you know, at the end of the day, it's about story. People like story. That's what this podcast is about. You know, we're, we're about, sure, we're about doing the difficult and the scary stuff on purpose. And that is the, the whole crux behind initially what was a throwaway hashtag became a podcast, now becoming hopefully a movement of like-minded people. Um, but it's also about telling stories, whether it's your own or whether it's enjoying and sharing the stories uh, you know the artwork that somebody's created and and honestly I'm I'm really really stoked that that audio description has become some so ubiquitous as your your uh, little I don't know even how long that was um, indicated though it is a little more nuanced 
and you know we're making some progress. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we can't say anything other than this, but but uh, Raw and I did a uh, an at home panel for WonderCon. Um, so if you check the uh, WonderCon program guide, I think they're putting most of their stuff up online this year. Uh, nobody was going in person, so. The benefit is you don't have to go to Anaheim to, to catch our conversation about that. We'll try not to rehash too much of that here, but you know, uh, fortunately, there's no specific time limit on today, short of uh, Roy's busy schedule because he's really. It, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but you are a pretty in demand guy, uh, both for audio description and for voiceover and for for a lot of stuff that you're doing. Yeah, the biggest thing right now for me is this advocacy for quality and excellence in audio description. To go back to what you said earlier about yeah. story, that a lot of the storytelling aspect of the audio description narrator is something so that anyone who listens to audio description can stay focused on the story. And all those examples that I gave in that diatribe are, are ways that can sometimes happen. And it's one of the coolest things, Josh, is that a lot of these companies are recognizing the value of quality and excellence and that they're they're taking steps to make it better. I think about... Uh, can I name some companies? Just yeah, off by the top all means. Of my head. There are no unless you're going to get uh, lose out on a contract for breaking an NDA. We're, we're golden. This is all publicly available information, and it's all good news. I think about Apple TV Plus, who provides audio description. All of their original stuff. Say again. All of their original stuff has it, which is pretty impressive in and of itself. Absolutely, and with that, they have multiple languages of audio description. And there's no licensing agreement. So you can be in France listening to a Japanese audio description track while turning on the Spanish dub. There's no, there's no regional limitations. There's no challenges that audio description has specifically with licensing for some companies is that, you know, for whatever reason, audio description can't necessarily travel. I use the expression cinema to streaming in that audio description should travel. <laughs> if you see something in the theater, yeah. you want to see it on the streaming service or the broadcast TV station. And Well, and to your point, you know, as an example of that, I can speak to it because I'm a consumer. I don't have a professional relationship with any of these companies. So um, <laughs> uh, not that you would, but there's a, a really impressive, uh, I, I'm going to have to go back and see if, I think my wife would describe it for me at, at, as we go, but there's a, a really cool anime, uh, Agritsuko, on Netflix, which uh, I don't... It's under the banner of, of Netflix Originals, but I think they probably just acquired it. It's probably made in Japan or maybe Japanese Netflix. I don't know. But it has it in English dubs. It has it in uh, Japanese with audio description, with Japanese audio description, but no English audio description available. And it, it is about this office worker who... Uh, does uh, heavy metal karaoke at night, and it's totally my style of program. It sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and like it, it may, I, I have to check every once in a while, and I get to, and because there's no way to know, I get. I mean, I suppose I could always browse through the full list of audio described content that Netflix has. They're they're, it's fortunate enough you can browse that way through their stuff. But mm. you know, I would love to be able to watch the show with description, but I can't because of the very licensing agreements that you're talking about that. Apple, fortunately, kind of keeps things smooth, at least in the content that they're distributing. And to your point, Josh, it seems like these companies are growing. That It's growing in the sense of providing more access. The, even if we look at a year ago, all the changes that have happened just for, you know, it's not 100%, but it's 
it, it sure seems like there's a lot of care and effort, whether it's Netflix or other companies that are that are taking those steps. And I hate that this particular show, just because it is so you, <laughs> seems to have gotten a lot of checkboxes except yeah. for the one that you needed. But uh, yeah. uh, it still is, it's really encouraging. Yeah, it's, it's coming along, absolutely. And, um, you, you know, so if you guys want to play with it, just I would probably say, you, I derailed you a little bit, but Apple TV Plus, like you're saying, has the licensing. They're probably one of the the real solid ones on distributing content. Um you can purchase a lot of movies, I think, through there that, that have a lot of their audio description tracks available. Netflix is probably one of the most consistent in terms of quality, I think. Maybe not in terms of the sonic quality stuff that even Apple TV Plus is doing, but in terms of... I don't know if I, I'm trying to think the right word, but they, they maybe because they they've been doing it for so long. Um, there's not a variance in terms of quality. I, I did run into some oddities in, in Tiger King, but you know, I can understand why they'd want to read subtitles over dialogue because some of those were a little tricky to, <laughs> to understand. I don't know if you sp- I don't speak Oklahoman necessarily. You know. <laughs> yeah, and to Netflix's credit, they've got white papers that are publicly available that share exactly what their standards are and what audio yeah. description means, whether it's the writing or the voice talent and how it fits. And you know, I like to use the word consistency. Your your word variance is a lot more accurate in that there is that that sweet spot that you know. There's no be all end all. This is the most perfect audio description ever. In the same way, there is no perfect movie. I'm sure you may disagree with that, but you know, it's like <laughs> the idea that there's there is some set that you can just sit back, relax, turn on a movie, and watch it, and know that you're going to be in good hands. And that's that's a lot of where my efforts have been focused for the last years. Well, and and. Um... You know, I I never had the fortunate uh, or the fortune of meeting uh, your friend Kevin, um, but I I know that your your friendship with uh, with Kevin has a lot to do with additional. You were already invested in it before the two of you were friends, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, since his unfortunate passing, that you know, as sort of a tribute to him, you're you're kind of championing this maybe even more than you would have. Yeah, he was. Uh... He and I spoke so often about audio description. He was a <laughs> he was definitely a, a a TV watcher. He had he had the knowledge of everything. He was a TV guide, for lack of a better, <laughs> just he knew it all. And one of the cool things about it is that we could talk about these shows, and there was no gap. There didn't there wasn't that hesitation. Like, wait, what happened in that scene? He knew, and it's because mm-hmm. of audio description and where he and I started talking about some of the efforts that I was doing was here's what makes sense to me from my perspective. What's your experience as a audience member? And those would really align. And the efforts that I was putting out there and him feeling comfortable enough to share with me some of his experiences actually changed my performance. That if you listen to my audio description before I met Kevin versus after I met Kevin, there's, there is a difference. And it's because of those nuances that, that he gave me and combined with a lot of the, the training that I try to do both as an actor of voice talent and also uh, just what I know about audio description to find that sweet spot. It's, a, it's definitely a high wire act. And it's been fun. Just And again, I'm only on the, the voicing side. There are so many other roles. There's the engineer. There's the writing. There's the, the quality control. There's a lot of different people in different roles that are involved in this. So um, by starting with my role, just that very isolated voice talent sp- uh, part of it, 
um, I started learning about these other aspects and connecting with those who do those and asking them what works for them and, and also connecting with audiences. Well, and one of the other things that I think is really neat, and I've been, been fortunate enough to um, be on in a couple of these, um, is you bring in visually impaired people not only as, uh, well, first off, you do quality control, which you've brought me in on. I've, I've sat in on a couple um, you know, classes where you teach people how to effectively uh, read audio description uh, scripts that have been pre-written. And so that, you know, they can kind of figure out, well, where's a good time to jump in on, um, you know, when do I say what and how do I get around the, the, the dialogue and not squash over things? And, and that's, that's really helpful. Um, and sometimes with, I think uh, the last one I said it on, I think we were using like a, a script for Indiana Jones or something. And, you know, the script was adequate, sort of, but very wordy. And so, <laughs> so, so the, the specific scene, it was really impressive to kind of, for people to get that real-time feedback from me and not just me, but other uh, visually impaired people who, who know their audio description. And then obviously you were in the class as well because you were teaching it. Um, and I, I imagine it's probably really cool for those people to get real-time feedback as to how well they're doing. Um, it's nothing like reading something live to kind of get the nerves going. But one of the other things that I think is especially cool um, is that you are encouraging and helping to connect visually impaired voice talent to also read the audio description. So it's it's sort of a, it, it, I think it's a really cool thing when somebody can get work and also contribute to something that people in their own community are going to appreciate. Yeah, uh, audio description was created by blind people for blind people. And right now there's a lot of sighted people like myself that are in audio description and some sighted people are making decisions without including their audience or their you know, the people that actually created it to begin with. So this class is about two things. Let's let's start with what you said as sure. as a um, contributor for the quality control. Uh, you aren't just some random blind person I found off the street. You're someone who cares deeply about audio description quality and excellence and what that means to you and what that sounds like. And so it's not like American Idol where we find three people to vote people off. It's definitely... I encourage you as well as other uh, quality control people to to find areas where there's a, a disagreement, not to fight each other, but just to show our class that there is no one perfect read, that it is subjective. You might prefer a female voice to someone else's male read and vice versa. The, there's a lot of subjectivity, but still there's a lot of things that each participant can get out of what you shared with them to be able to know, hey, here's my voice, here's where it fit really well based on the feedback that I got. And that was really special. But even more important is to your point about including blind and low vision um, voice talents with sighted audience, uh, sighted voice talents in the sense that I think about my career and the opportunities that I've gotten have been through other voice talents. When I started this business, I thought, oh, I need to meet a, a casting director and then I need to meet a producer and I need to meet a director and then they're going to hire me. Well, yeah, and there's also my actual experience, which that did happen. There were times where I did an audition from my agent, and I booked a job, and I did it. But if I look at the the overarching success of my career in as far as the connections that I've made professionally, they have been made to me through other voice talents. Yep. And it's like 
that access has been a barrier for disabled talents. And thankfully, that barrier is slowly being removed. I'm thinking about the, the Television Academy, the, the Primetime Emmys, having a panel on uh, disability representation in media, both behind the camera and in front of the camera. So yeah, that was what, just like a year ago? That It was, yeah. Like that? So yeah. this is relatively new. And again, when I thought about my experiences, it's like, these are the opportunities that I had through other voice talents. Let's connect our blind and low vision talents who are great and know their stuff and can take direction and can grow their career and introduce them to other people who are great and talented and can grow their career who are sighted. And let's see how we can work together and help each other out. And there's a real sense of collaboration uh, from both sides. It's not a one, you know, it's not a one way street. There's, there's a, a definite sharing and this barrier of classes, you know, especially because of the pandemic and everything's virtual now, it's, it's one less barrier. Sure. And what was really cool in the, in the two classes that, that I was involved in, you know, the, there did seem to be a lot of appreciation on the part of the voice talent for the feedback. It wasn't just kind of, it wasn't just tolerating us saying something. It was very much, you know, and all of the students that you had in those, the classes again, that, that I, where you had me in, they seemed like they really genuinely appreciated the feedback they were giving or being given. And, you know, nobody was, took offense. Nobody, you know, everybody was super respectful, but it, you know, even the variance of, of opinion, people were, I think, really seeking to become better or to make things better. And I think that's, that's also, that's the only way we're going to get out of any divisive situation or any struggle when it comes to access is to find solutions and find nuance where we can find those common points of agreement. You know, there are some people who, they're okay having I, I i i struggle but i'm sure they have a point of people who say they're okay with having a, a text-to-speech voice a computerized voice read the audio description talent or the the, the script uh, i'm i'm not but i could see where somebody would say that but at least we can have a discussion it's cordial or theoretically can be and we can get to a place where we can find what's going to work what's going to be helpful for X, Y, whatever group of people. I think when, if, if we could go, let's let's put a pin in that. I want to come back yeah, yeah. to that. But yeah, yeah, of course. If we go back to the, the conversation about the, the voice talents appreciating your feedback, I want to be sharing, I want to share my experience in the, there were so many times I was hungry for feedback. I was, I had no idea what I was putting out there. I wanted to do well, but mm. I didn't know what that was. I could only gauge it based on my own attempts. And so, I would seek out that kind of feedback. And so what you and the other advisors who I paid to be a part of this class, it's like you're giving a valued service to voice talents, sighted or blind. There is yep. such a hunger for hearing, what did I come across as? Did I do my intention clearly? Did you understand what I was trying to do? And by you saying yes, no, or hey, this worked for me, this didn't work for me, that is, I mean, it satiates such a need. And I think also let's you know let's talk about the the text to speech. I hope you're not surprised when I say I'm a huge fan of text to speech when it comes to informational uh, text to speech. So for example, no way would I ever want to be hired to read your emails to you on the screen reader. That has I have zero interest. Uh, okay, in you being better a part pay me for you What's to it? have access to my emails to read them in the first place. Exactly. Like you wouldn't <laughs> want it either. So it's like there's something that's like yeah. Well, that's a perfect 
solution for text-to-speech. Get the information out. I'm thinking about cooking shows. I'm thinking about factual uh, educational content that's just bullet point, bullet point. There's no, in those cases of information or, you know, even corporate uh, information, there's, it's facts. And when we start talking about the entertainment experience, whether it's a documentary, a true nonfiction documentary, or a science fiction adventure, that there's an element of storytelling and there's an element of emotional nuance that really touches people deeply and provides yet another sense of connection. And if someone thinks that, first of all, they're saving a little bit of money for a text-to-speech, we could talk about how that's not true, but text-to-speech it takes that away from our audiences. It removes that, that intimate emotional connection. Now, there is a case to be made that text-to-speech will come up with the emotional nuance. And when that comes and you well, as advertisements, an I can see potentially that it's for not like... going to get in the way, absolutely. Like, that's a conversation to have. Yeah. But we're not there yet. Yeah, and, and it, interesting, too. You know, you're, you're in your... Uh little mini rant or, or whatever you want to call it. You were talking about how, you know, the pairing of the voice. And that's one thing we absolutely talked about in the classes is there were some people that were really, really talented whose voice totally didn't fit what they were being expected to read. Right. But what was yeah. really cool is we were kind of say, hey, you know, these are the types of projects we could totally would allow your voice to process. So mm. like, I mean, um, you know, those of you listening, you're, you're only getting the audio, but uh, Roy can see me through the this conference software we're using. And, um, you know, I usually have one ear in, one ear off, or one ear on, one ear off when it comes to headphones, unless I'm just absorbing myself in the content. If I have to interact with things not in my ears or process just the way my brain works, um, how I take in the audio makes a huge difference. Mm. And so if somebody um, is engaging with the content, the voice or whether it's human or not can make a real big difference. Um, mm. In fact, you and I were having a conversation, I think somebody at, uh, who had put us in touch with WonderCon um, had mentioned that they were aware that people were using audio description as a way to help convey concepts to people on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, And there are people with audio processing disorder and things like that, um, different varying learning disabilities and, and kind of neuroatypical kind of or whatever the non-normative or whatever you get the point where people's brains work differently than, than is common. And the way that stuff is paired can make or break whether or not somebody can absorb the content at all. It's really exciting to see how that, that curb effect of audio description is working. I think about people who aren't deaf that listen to, or that turn on closed captioning when they're scrolling through their phones. I think about the curb effect of, cutouts on sidewalks so that wheelchair users can cross the street easily. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't see someone pushing his stroller with his baby inside or myself. I, you know, I, I use the ramp or, you know, it's like, this is not meant for me. It wasn't meant for the stroller pusher, but here's And and for those not, not able to see Roy's picture, uh, I've heard people tell it looks like the guy works out. So he's not like he's, 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 uh, struggling to, uh, to go up big flights of stairs or anything. Well, there's, there's something special about how these things are so consistent when the disabled community speaks up for what the abled community is getting in the way of. And that's, I, I don't know if this is 
this is true or not, but I get a sense that a lot of the, uh, that there are not a lot, I, I won't say how many or how little, but there are significant challenges that abled people do to get in the way of disabled access. Deliberately or yeah. not, it's still a barrier. And the irony I had somebody is, say that uh, using an, uh, like a, an Echo, or, or uh, I'm sorry if I triggered anybody's device, their, their uh, Amazon device, that they're somehow being lazy by having a microwave that uh, uses that. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's you like, know, okay. here's this great access and it's, it's there and it's usable. I think that when it comes to those, those barriers being removed from creative solutions, whether it's a curb in a, uh, in a sidewalk or closed captioning or audio description or Amazon Echo on the microphone. Oh, see, I said it again. The, yeah. um, <laughs> these things are able to provide access. And at the same time, there are other groups that can benefit from it. It's almost like uh, there's, there's more opportunities and there's more creative solutions and, and inventions that can happen that benefit beyond those that it's meant for. Yeah. And well, to that end, actually, my, my wife is, you know, sighted, doesn't have any disabilities that have been diagnosed and none that we can perceive just from our layperson's lay perspective. But she likes the audio description just so she can engage with the story more, mm. you know, and, and for, for her, like, we're, you know, the other thing we're, uh, I think you and I talked about a little bit before is, is um, you know, so WandaVision just finished. And I'm a huge Marvel nerd. Mm. Uh, by the way, if you're a Marvel nerd and <laughs> you like audio description, uh, uh, Roy did uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I haven't rewatched uh, Far From Home yet, so I don't know if you did that one, but I know you did the Homecoming, and he's done Runaways and I, th I think a few other Marvel things. But um, the there are things specifically with WandaVision that weren't caught by most people. So if somebody was unfamiliar or unsure when uh, Evan Peters showed up and whatever, uh, spoiler alert, and this is about as much as I'm going to say, uh, mm -hmm. when his character showed up in WandaVision, the the audio description described the reference, why he was in there and why some people would go, what? <laughs> and uh, it was, and, uh, you know, please, wow, I can't even talk. It's funny talking about voiceover work and whatnot. Um, but fan casts, uh, YouTube channels that talk about all the little Easter eggs that are hidden in the shows referenced the audio description. Hmm. And in terms of kind of figuring out, oh, that's what that was. Or, um, you know, even I think there's a, a little final credit scene in the season finale where the closed captioning uh, did indicate. So that's not an audio description curb effect, but absolutely closed captioning. They're referencing these access tools that people use to access the the content and get the most out of the story. I think you were even saying we're um, we we're talking about people who are really good uh, at reading audio description and paired nicely with it. Um, Nicole Sanzarella, who did the audio description for The Mandalorian, I think you were telling me that there were a couple of other um, little Easter eggs or things that the audio description picked up on that other people wouldn't have noticed. Um, and I think some of those similar fan casts, like Star Wars Theory and whatnot, were referencing. Um, is so that cool you that was mentioning that, or is that maybe that was somebody else? Well, it's uh, it, it could have been. There was an article about it, and that's the thing that's happening is that you know Nicole read this great script from the Mandalorian 
audio description writer, and the audio description writer was aware of the the content. So there is a link, and that's a prime example of the collaboration between the the production and the audio description, and that it made it better. And you know, it's what was so cool, um, man. I all the, the examples of the pivotal moments of audio description. It's so easy for me to spoil it, and I'm, I I hate spoilers. <laughs> so I'm gonna try. I'm gonna be vague. If you've seen The Mandalorian, you will understand what I'm talking about. If you have not, I will be purposely vague because I do not want to ruin the payoff for anybody who hasn't had that the ending of season two spoiled. Um, but there is a very pivotal scene at the towards the very end of that episode and a, a reveal as to the identity of a particular character and the way in which the script was written and the way it was conveyed you like i i went back and i watched uh and i say watched even though i'm, I'm not able to see it just because it's you know it's a visual medium went back and watched uh like a couple of clips a real famous one is star wars theory basically crying mm. at the end of that episode um and i i absolutely cried too mm. And what was so cool about it is I was av- able to have the exact same uh, experience that he did uh, because, you know, oftentimes, and I get this is difficult to do, you know, to, to do this right, because it's really easy where the, the name of a character will be conveyed in audio description before their identity is revealed. The, I think the, the really excellent writers will kind of try to pay attention, not reveal anything too soon. But th- with this particular one, it's such a pivotal scene, not just in The Mandalorian, but in the entire Star Wars, uh, like the, basically all of Star Wars period of all time, that if they had written the script without nuance, it would not have landed the same way emotionally for somebody who relied on the audio description to watch that show. Mm. But I was thinking about my own experience and thinking about how, how deeply moving um, that scene was for me. So it's like viscerally so. Mm. Um, and I got to have that because the work had gone in. The work had gone in to make it to where, you know, people gave a sh- <laughs> cared. Mm. They gave a shit about people who needed to access things a little differently. And, you know, I, I, I is it their job? Sure. Is it the ethical thing to do for people to have full access? Absolutely. But it, it absolutely throughout this whole pandemic, it in particular, it's made entertainment a more of a refuge, more of sort of a, a sanctuary when I had to basically kind of hunker down mm. more, way more so than it probably could have been if the access was more inconsistent than it is. I, I know we have a long ways to go, but it, I mean, I don't know if if you're aware that people had that deep of an emotional reaction to that scene or that ending part. I don't even know if you've seen it. Well, with the Mandalorian or other things that have audio description, what I'm hearing is that you had a uh, an emotional reaction. You had a connection, and that connection is both to the content that uh, that was out there. You know, you had access to the content in a way sure. that. I think is in parody to sighted audiences. And it's also that connection that you can now have, let's call it water cooler conversations that you can yes. have a conversation with someone. Absolutely. And say, did you, Oh my gosh, did you see that? Oh my gosh, I just watched that. And it was so unbelievable. There's not this gap where it's like, wait, what happened? And you know, all of a sudden there's this like speed bump mm-hmm. on this freeway that you're trying to drive down. And it's like, Oh, we have to stop and figure out what happened in here. And then the conversation kind of 
falls off and instead of staying engaged and that that connection there's something that you know you know back to kevin or some other friends of mine sure. that you know I, I think about my friend who lost his uh, fully lost his sight and his experience in watching season two of a, a show was uh with audio description because he was blind but before that he was sighted and he and i had an effortless, seamless conversation where we laughed at the same parts, we were touched by the same parts, and it was because of audio description. And that was my first real experience of recognizing the value of this connection, that I could have this conversation with my friend and there was no gap. There wasn't like this extra effort. It was just there and we could be present with each other. And that's why I think I'm so passionate about audio description is that being able to be present and have that kind of conversation. And also, you know, enjoy the movie or TV show, too. That's fun, too. Well, and then the other thing, I was thinking about this, because to that end, because you want to have it be a net positive in in personal relationships. I unfortunately know a few people whose spouses or partners or or, or just roommates, it, it it's they haven't been able to get to the point where they can sit through and watch something without any description. I mean, they're even making strides in people not having to make that either-or choice. Mm. I mean, there's a, a thing called uh, Spectrum Access that... And this is really cool. I don't. Uh, does the Android version exist or just on Not a, yet, iOS but right now? When it does, I mean, this is the. I love where you're going. Keep going. So the, the, here's here's the really cool thing. And I forgot to turn my phone on mute, so you're going to hear a bunch of little uh, things in the background. Um, bad bad podcaster. Bad podcaster. Anyway, uh, the um, the really cool thing about this is that if you have headphones on. You know, and and I, I highly recommend people do, especially if they're visually impaired, so that people don't have to hear your speech. But if you have headphones on, and you can put, uh, you know, your your earbuds in one ear, and if something is in this database on this app, it will uh, through your phone's microphone be able to detect what you're watching. I think maybe you might even be able to say, "Hey, I want to watch this." I, maybe it's more like like that. But it uses your phone's microphone to match up where in the content you are, if I understand right. And so then even if you're watching something that does not have audio description or you're watching it without audio description out of consideration for the people you're watching it with, you can still get that audio description um, in your own little private thing. And it doesn't have to be this big obtrusive thing. Um, And, you know, maybe if because sometimes the audio quality changes when you watch something with audio description as well. Um, being, and you can adjust the volume independently of, uh, and that's the other thing, because sometimes the, the audio description track is a little louder, squashes things. This can bypass that entirely because you get to control the entire time how loud your audio description track is. And it's 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 really cool because sometimes you don't know if something has it, and sometimes you know that you know something's on two different streaming services, and you know the one streaming service has it, but you don't have access to that streaming service for whatever reason, and you just want to watch it on this. And it really removes the need for um it, i don't know, it makes the access easier and, and certainly in my experience one thing i love about spectrum access it used to be uh called active view for movie theaters and then it got bought mm-hmm. out spectrum access has created this app only for iphone as far as i know they're definitely coming out for android but someone who has an iphone can download the app and not put in Registration. You just download the yeah, app. Yeah, they're not collecting place. any data or anything, which well, is I'm really sure it's collecting data. It, rare. How, they well, right, not, but I mean, right? not not. <laughs> but I, but not more. Certainly, uh, 
less than Clubhouse. Follow me, me and Roy on Clubhouse if you want. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, to your point, yes, it's you don't have to register. You don't have to enter an email. And the other thing is, and this is this is what really excited me when I heard about what the the team was doing at Spectrum Access is that they've overcome one of those barriers that you and I briefly talked about when it comes to the legalities or the the restrictions in the licensing and yeah. Whatnot. So they've yeah. found a way to say here, let's provide audio description for those who want it so that they can have their content. And it's like that provides not only a seamless experience for you and other people who use Spectrum Access, I use it, but it's also something that allows for these companies that have been resistant or have said, oh, you can't have this go to Canada, so you'll have to redo it. It's I'm making up Canada. I'm not sure why I'm picking on Canada right now. But the point is that they've overcome That's okay. Matt Stone obstacles. and Trey Parker have been blaming Canada since the early 2000s. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So we've got like 21 years yeah. for you then. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like there's something special about that connection of – connection again – to be able to – to have audio description travel from cinema to streaming, because now it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be embedded. It can be uh, uh, a, a part of in a in a really real way. And I, I don't know how they did it, but they've got the relationships. I worked on audio description for a, a film that the producers created the audio description and the distributors who bought the film wouldn't take the audio description. When they heard about Spectrum Access, it was like, oh, you mean we get more subscribers to, to buy our movie oh that sounds great let's do it it was like it was the same thing the only difference was it was on spectrum access so it's like there are fewer yeah. barriers here well you know it's interesting too right like uh, this is a stretch to make the connection again let's I do it using the yeah um but so i have uh you, you know i i don't want to be too name droppy but it's is people could figure it out who I'm talking. So uh, I have a friend, Scott Sigler. He's in, he's a science fiction author. I think everybody should absolutely check out his work. Uh, so, um, but for the longest time, you know, he couldn't get a, a publishing deal. And this was, he had a publishing deal for like an ebook imprint in like 2001. And his book was supposed to be published, I think like September 9th, 13th or something. Mm. And, or, or soon after. And they basically he dropped, you know, the the imprint went down and, and it took him forever to get a, a publishing deal. So he started podcasting his book for free. Uh, so people could download the audiobook and get get his fiction free and their podcasting client every week. Mm. He's been doing it since 2005. I think it's, what, you know, 16 years this month for him. Wow. And what was really cool is he, um, and this was kind of a curious thing where publishers at first would argue with him after after the fact after he had already then he had gotten i think like a five book deal with uh with crown random house and then he also self-published uh through his own company you know a whole series of books and people would still argue with him about how he was losing money because he was giving away his book for free wow. now that's even now that's that's not quite the same because obviously he's actually giving the full content. I get that part, but the part that I think I think it is connected between the two is this assumption on the part of people. Well, this is the way we've done it. We've always done it this way. Mm, it's mm. got to work this way, and it'll, we can't change it because if we do it differently. It's not going to work, and it's going to fail, and it's going to lose everybody money. Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, is because he has um, given away his, you know, every book he has the audiobook rights for, which is basically everything. I think he wrote a book for the Aliens franchise, mm-hmm. um, which he doesn't have the audiobooks right for because you know, that makes sense. It's not his complete property. But everything else, he podcasts for free. And then if people want to go get it, get the audiobook faster, well, they can go go to Audible or whatever service and they can get it right there and pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is people will so quickly criticize something as being ineffective or damaging to the larger scope of what the project is and they'll insist on it even if the data doesn't and the the logic (laughs) and the actual demonstrable history uh says exactly the opposite Mm. maybe maybe that's just a a a thing think people like things to stay the same way they've been because they're familiar whether or not they're actually good for anybody yeah well i think about too Uh, in, in my experience that i was very familiar with audio description and I wanted things to stay the same. It's just like I was very happy with how things were. And I was in that stuck place. And I, mm. I, I'm still always looking, where am I still stuck? Like, where are the places sure. where I need to evolve and grow? <laughs> what, what is that, you know? So uh, it's been pretty cool to see how this audio description, the challenges and the opportunities and the successes have all fed into that kind of I mean, can I say a, a growth perspective, a, a growth mentality? Yeah, to be able go for to it. You go, go as woo-woo or out there as you'd like to. I don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're fine. But there's something to that. I, I really appreciate the feeling of recognizing, oh, I thought this and this seemed right, but now I know this. And it that shift, I, I don't know, it, it just, it it makes sense. And especially since audio description feels like the Wild West right now, that's we've been talking about that for seven years, and now people are starting to make that comparison all the time now. It's great. It's wonderful, because that is true. But with that Wild West, it doesn't have to be all chaos and variance and you know inconsistency, but there can also be some real opportunities. And I think that Spectrum Access and Apple TV Plus and Netflix are some of many examples that have taken advantage of that wild west just to see what's happening. What can we do with this? Well, and, and certainly speaking of another one, uh, and partially uh, wild west anyway, um, we're, we're all kind of at the moment of recording, we're sort of uh, uneasily holding our breath to see uh, HBO's rollout. Um, when I say wild west, because of course I think uh, if I recall you were in a episode or two of season three of Westworld. Have I got that right? Uh, that is as a, a voice talent. Yeah, I was. Uh, okay. Or am I not? Do we need to cut this out? No, not at all. I was, I was, the, <laughs> okay. I, I don't do audio description for that, but I, right, right. The, but uh, you did, you had a role in it. Yeah, I, think. I was in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I definitely want it. So if you get around to it and hopefully, and th- this is why I'm, I'm so excited, um, is by the end of this month, they've promised that they're going to, uh, release 1,500 hours of audio-described content on their platform. Now, it is absolutely in response to a lawsuit. They, HBO was sued, I think, what, by ACB, if I, if I remember right? I don't know the legalities of it, but I do know that they've made an agreement to do 1,500 hours now. and, um, and That's also a lot for a first rollout. But it's also, yeah, to your point, let's talk. go yeah. back to what you said earlier, that HBO for decades has been HBO without audio description. So, 
it's easier for a new company to say, hey, let's do audio description than it is for a company like HBO to take this monolith and try to restructure their entire system and account for it. It's like unlearning something to relearn something. And they've mm-hmm. done it. They will be doing it in the next so few it years. So it is possible to do. And I think that, that to that point, you know, HBO is it's a good example of a company that has the, you know, it, that whole long history of not even bothering Hmm. And you know, to so. that point, I'm not going to defend or or support them in this sure. statement, but it, I do feel that there is a, a sense of awareness of we need to do this. And it's, it, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. They're planting the tree. Like this is, yep. that's the thing that it's, you know, I don't want to get all kumbaya here. I just feel like there is sure. something to be said for for change even, you know, of course it would have been great if they launched with audio description 20 years ago, but they're doing it now. And uh, again, I don't, I don't know any details specifically about what happened with the arrangement or agreements that were made, but they're in and they've made, you know, it's pretty clear that in the next few weeks, we're going to find out exactly what that 1500 means to audio description. I'm certainly curious. I mean, it, it's, I think you're going to see a lot more and this is speaks to another point. And I, we will talk about other things besides audio description before this, the show is out. <laughs> sure. um, but I, I think he, here's the other part that a lot of people miss out on or they kind of forget. Not only do blind and visually impaired people uh, watch movies. And I say blind. If you guys are upset with me calling myself blind, um, that's that's me ident- seeing how I identify myself. But to that end, uh, we watch movies too, Right. We not, and we watch TV too. We also pay for movies and pay for TV and streaming services too. And I think you're going to see a notable increase in HBO Max subscriptions if it becomes apparent that the quality of their audio description is, you know, that it's there and that it's reliable. And, you know, then you're going to start seeing a lot of people um, recommending, uh, you know, to, within the visually impaired community, encouraging people to, hey, okay, if you want to describe content, this is a good uh, source for it. And going back to the the connection with people, and this is, I, I didn't really speak to this too much, but the, the whole of the, the water cooler effect, mm-hmm. right? We were talking about how, you know, if I go into, let's just say like, because for me as a comic, I'm trying to, to find my way of, of making cultural references and things that people get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am so not a roast comic at all. That's not really my style of comedy, but I've been playing with, um, speaking of clubhouse earlier, I've been playing in some of the, the roast rooms and, and kind of having to riff off based on what other people are saying in there and, and what's the context. I can't see the pictures that people are roasting, but I can get the context and get the, the cultural uh, pieces of what people are referencing. Mm-hmm. Being able to access without needing to have help from someone, something like The Sopranos or uh, Game of Thrones or any of the like phenomenon, mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows what new HBO show is going to be just completely ch- turn the entire country on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like for instance, like I, I did... I made some reference in like an early episode of this podcast about Tiger King. Mm-hmm. Now, Tiger King is a ridiculous show. 
but it, it had audio description. And because it had audio description, I was more inclined to watch it. And I was mm-hmm. able to make a reference on this show. Mm-hmm. If you go back and listen to my interview <laughs> with uh, Angie Sanders, you can even hear me sing. Um, <laughs> but I could not have made that reference. And I can't, you know, any kind of ad lib stuff like a, a roast situation where you have to think of stuff on the top of your head. You have to be in that cultural zeitgeist. And you're not going to be there if there is that barrier to access. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a company like HBO doing it, and and again, I you know, we'll see how well they implement it. But because so much of what they do is culturally relevant and it is consistently so, I'm I'm really excited to see the types of conversations that visually impaired people can have with their sighted colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I don't know, that th- that's, honestly, I also want to watch uh, Game of Thrones and not have to have somebody describe all the little pieces because yeah. that can get awkward considering the kind of show it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> sure. Um, so, like, besides audio description, and I, I don't know how much time you have today, but I, I, obviously you've done a lot of voice stuff. I think you were, um, you know, uh, the computer and uh, Star Trek Discovery, I believe. And, um, you know, you've had roles in, and I think, um, roles where you did, I guess, on-camera acting besides at least a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, Do you have any uh, odd, like, kind of Hollywood or acting experiences that you think people might find uh, of interest? It's so funny. Like, I, I still keep defaulting to audio description. Let me pivot away because there's, there's still, like, 20 different stories there. Um, I'm a member of the Television Academy. That's the primetime Emmys. And some of the parties that happened pre-pandemic were really special in the sense of being able to be at an event and talk to people just as people. In other words, yeah. there wasn't the... I, I didn't bring my Sharpie. Like, hey, I'm a celebrity and let me like, you know, do my thing. And Exactly. Yeah. And there was, there was a real freedom there to be able to be around some people that are incredibly caring, incredibly intelligent, and so genuine to what they want to do with their career, whether it's the uh, performer or director or producer. Sure. And I think about some of the the events. One of them I brought my cousin to as my, as my plus one. And, you know, at one point, the experiences that she had in being able to banter with people and dance with people and have just a, just a positive time and be able to have that experience, not because of the celebrity, the celebrity was irrelevant. It was because yeah. of the people and the connection. And it was, there was something that was so special about being in that environment. And again, not because of, you know, the name recognition, but because of the content of the exchanges that were happening. And my cousin can definitely dance well. So it was fun to see her. I'm going to have to share this podcast with her, so she'll be proud. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Anyway. Yeah, I'd love to have her But it's listening. like, you know, it, these are the these are those unexpected things that could never be predicted. I could never have guessed I'm going to go to an event and I'm going to, you know, bring my cousin and we're going to have a great time. Well, anytime I bring my cousin, so we always have a great time. So that's <laughs> Yeah, she point. seems like a fun person. She's amazing. Yeah. So, but it's like when it comes to these these experiences living in Los Angeles and the kinds of people, the... My experience overall has been incredibly positive, and I've met some of the most genuine, genuine, kind, generous, and incredibly intelligent people just by 
being in the being around and you know I, I think back about the let's go back to the voiceover side when i was doing sure. the audio description workouts that a lot right. of those people we would you know just like you would go to the gym i would go to the voiceover workout and i'd practice every week and it was let's try this copy let me try it this way how does this come across and we'd give each other feedback most of those people are working now they're they've got recognizable careers and that's where they started they did the work and so yeah. there's a there's a real sense of I guess recognizing that incremental value and it's something that I knew like in my brain but to actually experience it to actually show up and go to those workouts time and time again every week for for years and be able to say oh yeah this is you know I I can feel a little bit of growth here in the same way that you know when you work out you can you don't notice things right away it's it's kind of like if you take a over a period from, of time absolutely yeah exactly so I know I'm kind of going off. You wanted to. No, that's all right. Story, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're speaking genuine. You know, it's okay. Like if if you if you're like, oh man, I you know they they. But if you have any examples of that sort of genuine uh, interaction that you think that would touch, if you know if you want to move on, that's cool. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna twist your arm on here. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I I don't have a specific story off the top. of That's my all right. Head, but it's kind of no worries. There are so many of them that I'm sure I'm gonna think of one. I'm like, hey, let's yeah, go back. yeah. Uh, no, it's okay. Well, hey, if something pops in, interrupt me, please. Okay. Um, what? Uh, what? So, to to this end, and as far as stories and things like that, because um, and and I actually just really thought about this because uh, I, you know, I had the only other, unless I'm blanking, the only other really uh, person that I've had on the show who makes their living from their voice, um. Like, and only their voice is Scott Brick. He was on the show and I have you on the show. I'm thinking about, thank you for donating what is not just your time, but about how much speaking you do, can do in the course of your day. Um, does that ever actually, to that end, does that ever become a concern of yours? Do you have to not do things, not because you don't have time, but because you need to just not speak? I'm like, really like grateful vocal for resting? texting. Yeah, it's like there. I'm in a time right now where there's, uh, a ton of content that I'm recording. And it is, uh, like last night I had this great conversation for two hours with someone and I'm like, Oh, I just shot my voice <laughs> and I didn't, yeah. I didn't shoot it. It's, it's fine, but it's like, it is, uh, it is a consideration. I'm really glad for texting. <laughs> it just makes it a lot easier. <laughs> well, and I, I wonder too, cause I know you've done a little bit. I, I know I, I, I say you've done audio uh, description writing and you, you kind of minimize that, but I, I know you've done a little bit. Um, do you find that your experience with audio description has helped you to have your texts be more nuanced? Because I, I hate texting. Like, I, I will do it for the for expediency, and I get it, because it's sort of asynchronous and all that kind of stuff. Um, but sometimes tone of voice gets so messed up in texting, and I just, yeah. I I find myself, when, when somebody sends back a text that just says, okay, I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean, okay, or okay, mm-hmm. you know, like, so, um, but to that end, do you, do you think that your experience with audio description has helped you to be a more nuanced texter? Fascinating. Um, I think, first of all, we have to talk about audio description writers because these are the people that yeah. if you take- They get no credit. Well, I, <laughs> not really. I, I mean, I don't I'm think they get enough. every time I can because the well, writers you take, do. <laughs> let's take like a, a, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? That's, sure. That's one frame 
of 24 frames a second in a typical movie. So that's 24,000 words in one second of content. You think about a feature film, that's millions of words that uh, a writer of audio description has to choose from, not to mention also working in between lines of dialogue and giving space Mm -hmm. for those emotional quiet moments. They have to make so many decisions and their ability to be concise. I can't address my use of alt text on social media. Like anytime I share a link that has a thumbnail. Yeah, you've been really good about that. I actually remember that. And I think of it because I I, I know that we're connected with each other, at least on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Instagram is a love-hate relationship for me. But but I do remember very to that exact point, uh, you are one of the, the cited friends that I have that is very consistent about putting alt text on your posts. Well, it's, it just makes sense. It's like I'm sharing what's happening in this photo. Why did I choose this po- photo? There was this great interview I did mm-hmm. with a cited person who had never heard of alt text. And without missing a beat, once they understood what alt text was, they said, oh, you mean like conscious posting? And I'm like, that's so brilliant. It's like, yes, exactly. Absolutely. Why are you sharing this picture of this cake? Why are you sharing a picture yep. of you with a dog at the sunset? It's like, give those little brushstrokes i don't go into super detail i just give like here's well, and, and it's not editorialized yeah. either right so that's, that's you know that's the other thing is like um you know there, there's been a discussion periodically uh in and there's a, a facebook audio discretion group actually which what do we have like almost a thousand people in now yeah kevin and i started that two years ago and we're at a th- almost a thousand and and one of the more recent things that has come up is the and this has come up before is the need to have description that's accurate without being evaluative mm. without you know there was a, a, a really unfortunately rather insensitive script um towards you know th- that was apparently there was a, a some something about an, a, a joke about an eating disorder and the way that the the the, the person was described and i'm not going to repeat it because i don't want it, it is pretty offensive actually um but to that end like it didn't let the person with the audio description um, make their judgment, make their assessment, and, and kind of you know it 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 audio description should basically be showing what's happening, not telling people what to think about the story. An easy way to and, think about that is that yeah. if the sighted person has access to it, then the audio description audience has access to it. So, you know, to your point earlier about naming names, if a sighted person doesn't know the name of a character, the audio description audience shouldn't know the name of the character. If, you know, one of the classic bad examples of writing for audio description is she picks up the folder that has all the test answer questions in it or something like that. It's like nobody knows that. Like it totally gives away the joke or the the plot point twist or... Right. But yeah. so that example that you gave of that offensive statement, that's so rare and it's so unusual. It's gotten a lot better, I, I, exactly, at least by right? all accounts. So, which is wonderful. And at the same time, you know, there's shocking when it isn't better. What's that? <laughs> it's shocking when it wasn't. I mean, I think this movie that somebody referenced, I didn't know at the time initially, but, you know, it was released in 2011, which was only 10 years ago. Yeah. And I guess that shows. Yeah. So, so it's shocking. Yeah. Sh- yeah. You know, it's so that, but the good thing is that is the, the exception. Yeah. Right. That it is getting better, but it it underpins the point of the need to convey information. Yeah. Not not what somebody should think about something. And the way to convey that information, and this is where you know, since you've been part of that that workout with the voice talents, is that it's a high wire act. 
to convey the information in a way that makes sure that you as an audience member stay immersed in watching the story and doesn't get in the way. That's the gig. If you're thinking about Roy Samuelson has such a great voice, then I didn't serve the work. If at the same time you're you're watching something like Jack Ryan and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so cool when he did that. I loved it when I was watching this part and this happened. You're focused on the story. So the information is there, but that's, I think, where the voice talent comes in. And they bring the that nuance, that, that high wire act of making sure that you as an audience member stay in that story. And now I'm talking about audio description again because I can't. <laughs> You're a man who's obsessed, apparently. I don't know. But it's like, you know, like, what else am I But it is a big part of your life. I mean, you know, it's like getting me not to talk about, you know, comedy, martial arts, or surfing. How long can I really go if I've already not, you know, maybe if you allow me to talk about science fiction or, or, or uh, superheroes, I might have a chance of it. But... <laughs> Dude, I got to say <laughs> like that the- if you combine the first three, comedy and uh, martial arts and surfing, those automatically feed each other it it is comedy if you're surfing while doing martial arts right i mean is that well you know I, well it's, it's actually funny i've accidentally pulled people so i had one time um there's a, a real famous video that that mostly made the rounds on facebook um the, the world surf league put out a, a video when i was the first totally blind person to surf a uh, the kelly slater's wave pool uh that's up in lamore california sure. who would have thought we would have been surfing like <laughs> In Lemoore, near the inland Air Force (laughs) Navy base. But um, so we tried at the time, the coach that I was with then, you know, since moved on, but the coach that that I was working with, there is a a thing there. And I, leading up to it, we had been doing arm drags in my jiu-jitsu class Mm -hmm. that that I, for my own growth, not any of my students, but I had been working on them, kind of getting better at them. And... We tried to do a little party wave on the on the wave pool, and he got so close to me, and he kind of reached out to try to kind of nudge me to to turn, or uh-huh. kind of it's like, hey, turn turn left. And by reflex, because I'm nervous, we have like an hour to surf and everything. And what do I do? I do a perfect arm drag and yank us both off our surfboards. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> so you know, meanwhile, they, they, it's like you know, I was invited as a guest. Yeah. But if somebody wanted to go pay to go surf for an hour at the wave pool, it's like several thousands you know thousands of dollars to be able to do this and here i am wasting the time i'm nervous <laughs> so you know and so so what do i do yeah so I, of course i what i do i yank my coach off of his board and we both go flying into the water you oh, know oh man so i guess i have done martial arts and surfing at the with same comedy. time so but with, yeah well you know but it, it's uh <laughs> yeah so it's 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 been a been a thing, but yeah, um, man, I actually uh, I I think I think we can mention the the movie. We don't know what the status is, but uh, uh, you were involved in and in helping coordinate some of the the background um, accessibility components of uh, movie Miracle in Malibu uh, that I feature in. Hope we don't know when the release schedule is. We can tell you that the movie exists. There's a surf documentary, uh, and when I found out that Laird Hamilton. Is in the is in uh, this movie about mm-hmm. adaptive surfing, you know that like my my mind exploded. So <laughs> so I really hope we get uh, you know solid release. We'll absolutely mention it. But I mean, you got a chance to to work on uh, helping to connect the dots to like people who you know finding the audio talent for that and and making sure that that the accessibility features there because that what was so cool about Karen Schaefer, the director 
is she wanted to make sure that everybody who was represented in the movie could also enjoy the movie. Mm. And that 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 to, that to me is really. And we're going back to audio description again. We tried to get out of it, and here I am. Yeah, pull us right back cesspool. in. It'll just suck you in like a like a <laughs> quicksand. But that whole conscious posting, conscious um, conveying of content, and in this case, it's a documentary. But it's a documentary about you know what life could be like if people realized that they could go surfing. You know, like there's a people there are people listening who don't maybe they found this because of whatever reason, and they're listening to this post maybe from our our previous guest that they go, oh, wait, blind people surf or blind people watch. You know, and it expands their their thing. But um, to ha- to know that that you can do this again, if you if somebody doesn't know uh, all of the details of a movie, right? If they don't have the audio description there. They might kind of know. Well, okay, blind people can surf, I guess. I think that's what's going on. And then, if you add that additional layer, though, now you have audio description, or you have closed captioning. And so, because there's a huge uh, group of of hearing impaired and deaf surfers out there mm-hmm. that have a have a struggle of of getting access to the ocean, because you can imagine if you don't see somebody, somebody cuts you off in a wave, fights could break out. It gets gets ugly, right? Sure. Um, so. I guess to that end, I get really excited when people think about making sure that what they're creating is reachable and accessible to as many people as possible. Do you want to hear some behind the scenes on Miracle in Malibu for the audio? Uh, sure. Yeah, go for it. So we hired a, a blind advisor and we ended up going through three incredibly talented audio description narrators, every single one of them top notch. But the feedback we got for the first two is, oh, this isn't right. We need we need something a little different. And we recast yeah. it three times. You know, we ended up with a third voice that, that just was exactly what we needed. But And, you know, the other voices, to your point, when you were saying earlier, it's like those other voices were super talented. They nailed it. And they yeah. did it. But our advisor said, this isn't working. So, well, and, and that's just it. You, you, you took that extra time because you knew as the person kind of connecting the dots on all of that, you knew it was important for the people that this movie was going to affect that they were able to connect with that content. And if they can't connect with the content, even if the idea of, you know, a whole division of surfers that ha- that can't, see, and, and, and grant, this is not the entirety of the movie. It's the whole thing about all types of adaptive surfers, mm-hmm. limb different and otherwise. But let's just say, let's narrow it down in, you know, if they didn't, if the person watching the movie had a hard time engaging with the movie, they would miss out on getting the nuanced detail mm. of the segment with me and the other totally blind surfers in the movie and knowing that that's a possibility, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, that, that perfect pairing, that attention to detail, that ex- expectation that this is going to be a thing, um, that makes or break possibly whether or not somebody ever tries surfing. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, for me, obviously I'm a huge proponent that everybody should try it at least once. Mm. Um, think before I forget, in case we go off in another thing, uh, we have a couple of things. Obviously, we have the WonderCon uh, at home panel, which check the WonderCon schedule. It should be, uh, I think, WonderCon supposed to run the end of this month, but I, we can't say any more than that, other than that we have a panel. Um, there's also uh, some pretty important dates coming up next month about audio description and an, uh, an awareness day, I think. It's like the middle of the month, I think, somewhere around tax season, I think. Right after taxes. So last year, Steph 
Uh, Stephanie McCoy from Bold Blind Beauty and Juan Alcazar, who's a blind filmmaker, and I came together with uh, Audio Description Awareness Day and the Audio Description Awareness Day Challenge. And this year we're going to do it again under uh, Bold Blind Beauty's moniker in the sense that Bold Blind Beauty stands for AIR, the acronym Accessibility, Inclusion, and Representation. Everything that audio description is great about. And the idea is to not only be aware of audio description on Audio Description Awareness Day, but also launch the Audio Description Awareness Challenge. And we'll be sharing all those details on social media in the middle of uh, April. I'm very, very excited about the engagement that we've got ahead of time with some people that are going to be sharing it. And we've got the hashtags ready and we've got the, the challenge good to go. So that's very, very exciting to be able to do this a second year in a row. If somebody wants to kind of jump in on that specifically, um, where's a good place for them to to learn about that obviously we have the the discussion group on facebook but besides sure so on social media if you well forget whether it's social media or otherwise i'd suggest um following bold blind beauty and it's boldblindbeauty.com that's uh steph's webpage that'll be the the hub of most of the content and uh like i said after you get your taxes done starting on the 16th we'll be sharing all the details there and also on social media so you can follow any of us there too and then you also have um your founding member of uh, a a pretty cool thing relevant to audio description as well um, I, I, I'm going to totally mess up the acronym of the, of the organization you founded. Sure. So it's uh, the ADNA, which is now the Audio Description Network Alliance. And it's uh, a place for publicly contributed uh, credits for writers of audio description, voice talents of audio description, engineers, blind advisors, anyone who's involved in film or TV audio description can have their credit list and their uh, their bio and any relevant information shared. Uh, that's also the the podcast, the ADNA that uh, we've got. I think at this point, close to a hundred interviews. I, I've recorded a hundred. I think there's another five or six that still need to be uploaded. But those are professionals of all aspects in audio description, not just the voice. So uh, uh, it used to be called the Know Your Narrator series, just to kind of test the waters for the voice talents. And we got so many great responses that. We expanded it to uh, it's it's basically a masterclass in audio description. So good place if somebody wants to uh, do a deep dive on on the history and uh, key figures within the within audio description as a whole. It's a good place to start. Sounds like it's been so much fun, and I've I mean every interview I learned something new. Very cool, um, man, Roy. This is just cool. I know I, we could probably go on for hours just about audio description. <laughs> is there anything that? And I know that's that's kind of been your lane a lot lately. Is there anything else that uh, maybe we didn't get to you think is important? Um, I think, the, or just interesting. Sure, I, we were talking about audio Kevin. description or not. Sure. Well, you know, it's got to be audio description. Come on, Josh. Yeah. This <laughs> well, it is you, I guess. <laughs> so, like, uh, we're uh, you know, Kevin had been such a such a powerful collaborator and influencer that Kevin's Way is the name of the company, which is really uh, standing for audio description audiences to have an experience in parody to sighted audiences. I've, I've briefly mentioned it, but that's really the core of what I'm passionate about and making sure that, and many people, I, I'm not the only person. There are hundreds of people that are both sighted and blind who are able to, to say this, but the experience of audio description needs to be in parody to sighted audiences experience, whatever that means. Uh, you know, if it's a, 
if it's a multi-million dollar episode of television, the audio description should be reflected in that. If it's a, a little student film, audio description can be reflected in that. And the idea of connecting our audiences to the entertainment industry is where I really start to get excited. So those are the two things that I'm really been kind of narrowed down, not kind of, I'm definitely narrowing down my focus. Right on. Um, hey, seriously, Roy, thanks for coming on. Thanks for, for sharing um, all kinds of cool stuff. And, you know, if somebody didn't know what audio description is after listening to this episode, you should have a pretty good idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you want to get into uh, actually creating it and, you know, writing for it and, um, you know, reading for it and, and helping to make it better, I would suggest that the ADNA website would probably could be a real good place to go. Sure. And on that note, there's also the Audio Description Project, which is a part of ACB, acb.org slash ADP. You don't have to remember the acronym. Just type in Audio Description Project. There's many different classes. Most of them are virtual, specifically for writing and uh, and many others. So there's a, there's a great opportunity there. Right on. Uh, where can uh, people go to, to keep up with you on social media? Uh, at Roy Samuelson for most of the social media sites. On Facebook, I've got a, a page called Roy Samuelson Biz, B-I-Z. And we've mentioned it, but Audio Description Discussion Group on Facebook is, uh, is a place where a lot of those lively conversations are happening. And a lot of people are seeming to pay attention and, and make decisions based on how the audience is sharing their experience in audio description. Yeah, so. there's some movers and shakers from Disney Plus, from HBO, from Hulu, from all the all the streaming services that uh, have audio described content. I know they have people that are because I think it's a public group too. So even sure if somebody is not part of the group, they can easily go back and look at. And so if you say that you really want X series to be described, and I'm not sure there's probably a better place to do that, but if there's discussion about how cool it would be for this show to have audio description, somebody very likely will pay attention. I think there's definitely been some mention of upcoming additions to Disney plus, because I know, I know for a fact, we have at least like two people who work with them. Yeah. And the, the cool the, thing is even on the ADNA site, we have the wish list page, which is, you know, it's, it's like a, a bulletin board of, Hey, let's have this title. I don't know specific uh, connections, but I know people are reading it and people are saying, Hey, let's, Let's go get this movie. There was recently a post on someone wrote New Jack City. So I added that to the ADNA.com slash wishlist page. And who knows? I mean, like you said, the that Disney Plus is actively paying attention. It's so exciting. Yeah. So and I think like I think at this point we're definitely would be going nuanced inside baseball. But uh, <laughs> thanks again. Thanks again, Roy, uh, so much. And uh, we'll... Uh, find a, an excuse to have you connected somehow again thanks so, so much for uh, having me josh this has been absolutely. great absolutely as always is vent well let me do that again you guys I, apparently i've been up way too late at night on at, on clubhouse in fact um if you are there look for me uh, I, I don't know how much roy wants to pimp that out but he's on there too um you come stalk us if you want uh but uh, <laughs> as always adventure is a state of mind how you live it is up to you